Welcome to the Async Podcast, Episode 1. I'm your host, Ali Roslen, and this week we're going to be talking about the role of accessibility in the design process. So recently I was reading the HTTP Archive's yearly roundup. They run statistics every year on millions of websites on the internet just to see the different ways in which the web is leaning in terms of technology, adoption of different frameworks, libraries, and approaches. The reason I was reading it was because I was particularly interested in the accessibility section based on some assumptions that these statistics would be interesting. What I didn't expect was to read the long page of statistics that not only confirm some of my suspicions, but paint a clear picture of the internet not in fact being built for everyone. More than three quarters of websites on the internet aren't accessible, don't leverage ARIA meaningfully, and some even include scripts that try to automate making their website accessible. Accessibility in web design is often an afterthought. At most, the designer will care about color contrast, text sizing, and other elements meeting the visual part of the web content guidelines. While this is something to encourage, it doesn't even scratch the surface of what's needed for the end product to be actually accessible. For a website to really be accessible, it's up to the developer as well to code with that in mind. From adding alt attributes, using ARIA, or not using divs for all content, all these approaches and everything else outlined in the content guidelines by the W3 are what can really help create more accessible websites. So why are we talking about designs if it's a developer's problem to implement the accessible parts with what they choose to include in their code in terms of different ways to highlight different things for screen readers and so on? Because a developer can only build what was designed correctly in the first place. If a designer is tasked with creating a design for a site, they have a say in what parts will be accessible and what parts won't be. And this comes from even higher up. So the product manager or the product owner or anybody who's assigning the task of designing this interface to the designer also has the first say in what ends up being accessible or not on the website. The idea is that accessibility is not just something you can toss in afterwards as part of the development process. It's something that you have to build the product with it in mind. When you visit an accessible site, it could look ugly. In fact, it may look old and outdated in many different ways compared to the trends you can find on Dribbble or Behance. Any accessibility-aware designer or developer who inspects such a site and discovers that it's accessible would then sympathize with whomever designed or developed the site. I mean, they had a different goal in mind than making it look good, right? This is the problem with accessible markup on the web. The belief that an accessible site built for everyone can't also have good aesthetics as a goal because it's difficult to build a website that looks good and also works for everyone. And it's a very clear cut idea for a lot of people that accessible websites are built basically by demand and not because the people building a product chose to include everyone and did the hard work involved. In a sense, these simultaneously beautiful and accessible websites would be accessible despite the design, not in conformance to it. 
Someone explicitly chose to build a custom card component that tries to be accessible, or to use pages instead of modals when possible to avoid the common pitfalls of hijacking the page and the user's attention. These choices weren't enforced by the languages involved, or the technologies used. They weren't enforced by the programs used to design the site, or the frameworks used to build it, or the browsers that are used to view it. They were enforced by people who care about others and wanted to design and build something for everyone. The tools we use to build the web may not enforce accessibility best practices, but it's common for companies based in the US afraid of violating the Americans with Disabilities Act to look for workarounds, shortcuts and ways to sidestep the man hours it takes to build an inclusive product. They don't want to tell their developers to write accessible markup or to tell their designers to care about designing accessible interfaces because these initiatives could mean hiring more skilled employees or training their existing staff or paying more for the same work in a sense. They just want the equivalent of a normalizer or build tool to do the work for them. Such tools exist in droves and you can find a ton of them if you search on the internet for accessibility widget. They all pair the same promise. Pay a small monthly fee and import it into your site and suddenly your whole site is accessible to all and lawsuit free. This is too good to be true and there's no shortcut to making an accessible website. These websites aren't accessible because the people building them chose to be inclusive. They're accessible, if at all, because they're trying to sidestep legal obligations. Maybe one day we'll have build tools and external scripts that can truly make our sites accessible. Maybe even further in the future we'll have these tools for free, because that's exactly what an open web should cost. Today some tools exist that achieve the goal some of the time, for some websites, under some use cases, but I'm sure if you're paying a premium for accessibility on your website, you don't want it to only work sometimes for some other people. You wouldn't want it to go away when you stop paying the monthly fee, because under the hood, your website isn't inclusive or accessible. The widget didn't change the problems with your code and your designs, it hid them. So what if you're building or designing a project for yourself, or you're a company who wants to build something inclusive, but you can't get an accessibility professional to manually audit your designs and test your application? In this case, there's no solution except to learn to build differently. There's no end to the references online for writing accessible markup. I don't want to outline some reference or principle as an absolute, because as it turns out, making inclusive interfaces is not easy and thus is open to a lot of subjective views and opinion pieces, just like this one where everyone thinks they have the magic answer. However, a good starting point that I've been following personally is the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. They have a quick reference, which shows you where to start in terms of making your content accessible, in essence, this is really all you need, but a cursory reading of it will reveal that it's not the easiest resource to parse. If you're a designer or a developer, I recommend you start here. 
I'll also include other more approachable resources in the show notes. Now, for designers, there's no limit to plugins that exist for tools like Figma, Sketch, and Adobe XD that allow you to check contrast, make sure that font sizes are appropriate, and make sure that your content is approachable for everyone, no matter what their issues with your website may be. I use Figma, so I can't speak for other tools, but I use the Able and Focus Order plugins to both check that my colors are approachable and my designs are keyboard ready. For developers, the W3C have also created a draft of how to use ARIA when building websites. This is an essential read if you're a developer who wants to build more inclusive websites. I'll include more resources on ARIA in the show notes. I highly suggest you check those out. For those who prefer to approach this more with developer documentation rather than reference documents, the Mozilla Developer Network has a wonderful set of guides on accessibility. These include HTML guidelines, CSS and JavaScript best practices, and the basics of using ARIA. What they also offer is a summary of how to work with mobile devices to be more accessible. So far in this podcast, I've discussed websites because I'm a web designer and developer, but mobile is an equally large, if not bigger part of this equation to consider as well. For a while now, I've been a huge advocate of the principles of inclusive design. I think everyone should check out Inclusive Components. It's a set of docs outlining how to make common component patterns more inclusive and accessible. The author also wrote a book as well as a post on inclusive design that I highly recommend you give a look. It'll be linked in the show notes. In addition to these resources, I'd like to share some tips from my learning journey that I think can accelerate the process of building inclusive sites. This is by no means a summary or absolute reference, but simply guidelines I picked up along the way that I think can help ease the learning curve a bit. At least they did for me. So first of all, semantic HTML is here to help. HTML is made for everyone, and just using semantic HTML elements for their purpose already goes a long way. For example, if you need to make a list, there's no reason to make a custom list component in your framework of choice if unordered list and ordered list exist as tags in HTML. More on this is covered in the How to Use ARIA articles that I'll link and on the Inclusive Components site. But the idea is you want to leave the difficult part of doing the accessible work on the HTML side to browsers, right? Because the people who implemented browsers already had to worry about all of these issues when it came to HTML. And that was outside of all of the fancy applications that have cards and APIs and a lot of moving parts that they didn't need to worry about at the time. So you should leverage their work to make your work better. The second tip I'd like to give is you can still use tools. Earlier, I mentioned that you shouldn't use a widget that automatically modifies your site and makes it accessible in one go. While this is still true, there are tools to augment the development process 
and help you stay within the web content guidelines without having to memorize or to always have the guidelines as shorthand. Examples include ESLint's JSX A11Y plugin for React users that helps you write more inclusive markup. Alternatives exist for Vue, Angular, and probably whatever framework or library you're using as well. The third tip is that simple sites are not bad. I know that in the age of CSS frameworks being so prevalent and JavaScript frameworks allowing us to create feature-rich and content-rich websites, it's easy to scoff at such a remark. But making your website simpler in terms of its markup and navigation can go a long way. A simpler website requires less markup, less JavaScript, and probably less CSS as well. It's a lot easier to audit such a site yourself to see if your elements are accessible or not. It makes perfect sense to just build less if you have to maintain less and debug less. The more complicated you have to build your website, the more you'll have to worry about different moving parts and how accessible they can be, or even outside of accessibility, you have to worry about the different moving parts and how they interact with each other. The fourth tip that I have is develop with understanding. When keeping non-sighted users in mind while developing your site, it can be difficult to know the impact of adding an ARIA label or role, or the impact of using a link tag to build a card. Installing or enabling a screen reader on your operating system can fix this. Use it to audit your own website and see if it's truly easy to navigate using the keyboard and if all the content is there. Bonus points if you do it blindfolded for the extra immersion. I've been trying to do this on my own websites for a while now, um, and I've been getting mixed results, to be honest with you, in the sense that I'm not used to the idea of navigating my site with a keyboard, or any site for that matter. I'm a mouse user, and going through this process has really taught me a lot about the different ways in which we use the internet and how we can benefit from living a day in each other's shoes. The fifth tip I have is know your demographic. If you're building a site, assuming your content is not going to be useful for an on-sighted user or users with motor problems or visual or auditory issues, Research your audience and see if your website is indeed only used by the people outside those demographics. Chances are if your website is big enough and frequented by enough visitors, this isn't the case. One of the biggest issues that I think faces a lot of web developers in general, and even smaller startups, is that they don't understand the demographic that they end up getting. Because once you build a site and you see the user numbers flowing in, you may not have a strong idea of who your users are or what different ways they can use to interact with your website. In summary, the internet exists for all of us, not just users who don't have accessibility concerns, not just people who don't need ARIA labels or don't need animations to be turned off. It may be difficult to spend the time learning and developing with accessibility in mind, but your pages shouldn't be yet another walled garden that's only accessible to your perceived demographic. The steps you take to make your websites open to everyone may seem thankless, 
but every time someone who needs those changes visits your site, I guarantee you they'll be grateful that they're enjoying a website that's built with accessibility in mind. A little bit goes a long way in this case. Just trying to be good, trying to make something that fits everyone is already enough of a step towards a better internet.